Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery! How's it yes. going, Ian? Very good, Matt. Uh, you're all the way in Edinburgh still. You've got the wheel hostage. Let's get the wheel spinning. Okay, let me get it spinning, um, my man. But I'll tell you that I actually met one of our listeners, Jay. I was playing golf for the first time in five years, oh, yes. which is very dangerous for everyone else involved. But uh, I was just about to tee off and a listener of the Wheel of Sport. Amazing. The topic for this episode is... Oh, it's a little known one. It's back to basics, Ian. Oh, Matt, back to basics. I don't think we've had this since the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. Yeah. Not when... this year, but the year before, 2019. Been a while. It's been a while. It seems like a long time ago. Depends on when you're but, listening. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So back to basics, Matt. I'm going to take you all the way back. It starts in 1817, but goes right to the modern day, Matt, because this is the history of the bicycle. Oh, yes. Now, you love a history. We all know you love a history. <laughs> so I'm not at all surprised to hear you going back to 1817. Presumably no audio clips for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I did uh, some history at, at university. I know, me, university. And there was a seminar, and this uh, this lad had brought in a book, and the, <laughs> the, the professor said to him, he said, uh, can you tell me when that book was actually published? And this, blo- this lad looked at the back of the book and he said, uh, 1895. And I went, I think that's the price. <laughs> <laughs> I, got pulled in a- I got pulled in after the seminar and told to stop making jokes. <laughs> he obviously had a big influence on me, that professor. But anyway, <laughs> this is the history of the bicycle. The bicycle, obviously now we associate a lot of bike riding purely with sport. You know, it's had a huge renaissance in the in a like back end of the 20th century, and the Tour de France, Paris Roubaix, the Olympics as well, the British team Sky, all of these amazing athletes. But none of it would have been wouldn't would have been possible without Karl Freiherr von Dreis, because Karl Freiherr von Dreis. In 1817, he invented the Dracene, which was supposed to replace the horse, Matt. <laughs> so he's invented a machine. Does it look like a horse? Uh, look, he, his legs are akimbo on it. Like, <laughs> Does it have a horse's well, head? It, it looks nearly as deadly. It's obviously this man hates animals, Matt, or he loves them. Who knows? He's trying to either give them a break or put them out of business, run them out of town. So, and you've got to remember, 1817, the horse is everything. Everybody's riding around on a horse. The horse and cart is the only way, really, to get things to A to B. And this, guy, this guy's coming in saying, lads, I know you love your horses, but look at this machine. Yeah, and a lot of people would have laughed at him because... Everybody grew up with horses. Horses can go quickly. This machine, you kind of put your legs either side of it and you, you tiptoe 
but it's got a wheel in front of you and a wheel behind you just like the modern bicycle and then it's got a rest for your arms that you push down and it probably looks a bit rude to be honest Matt maybe that's why it didn't take off (laughs) (laughs) it was seen as indecent that's pure speculation (laughs) from my end the other name was the velocipede the velocipede the velocipede isn't that like obviously when we talk about velodromes like it the Velocipede. <laughs> it's, it's great, isn't it? I think that's amazing. Like a really fast caterpillar. Yeah, exactly. What's that What's that pool of water on the floor? The Velocipede. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but it, that invention just didn't take off because it was way too expensive, too difficult for people to kind of comprehend. It was all wooden design as well, so it would have been relatively uncomfortable to ride. And obviously... It was only to be used by men as well, Naturally. given the design. So it was a little bit of a while as the Velocipede sort of got more and more into the public, well, into industrial imagination, that they started to develop different styles of this, what then became known as the bicycle. It was in the 1860s where Pierre Michau. I think I'm saying that right, Matt. I can't read French, I don't think. <laughs> the only thing we learnt in French was Je suis en boulangerie. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Michaud, uh, he presented his invention in, uh, in Paris at the International Exposition in 1867, we're talking. Now, only really the well-to-do were at these events and only that they, they could afford the bicycle. Three years after that, the penny farthing appeared, you know, the huge wood, the huge big front wheel. Yeah, massively, of course. You have to, like, get... <laughs> it's like climbing a wall to get on. So I thought that predated the bicycle. The bicycle's already going and then they invent... They just make add a massive wheel. The Velocipede was actually predates the penny farthing, so that was kind of two similar size wooden wheels with a with a cog to power one but there's no chain at this point and the penny farthing is exactly the same the penny far the advantage with the penny farthing because the wheel's so big it's very efficient and very fast when you're moving in a straight line yeah. anything else completely terrible yeah i can imagine not easy to go around corners with that massive do you know why they gave it such a big wheel well, yeah, it's it's just pure efficiency. It's like you you pedal less. In fact, the the initial um, plans for the the railway for the trains were actually to have huge wheels that sat outside, so you'd be sat in the carriage and looking out through the spokes. Oh, <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah, you'd like climb up in a ladder through the spokes to get into the carriage. The the original designs were to have the massive wheels because they'd just be way more efficient. And that's where, where the penny farthing really got its inspiration with the small wheel at the back for a bit of balance and control. That didn't really enter the popular markets, a commercial market until 1885. Everything in the 1870s, everything changed because Harry John Lawson, he... <laughs> He invented something called the safety bicycle. (laughs) Great. Nice. Which really indicates how people might have viewed the The penny penny farthing farthing. and other bicycles. It looks deadly. 
having never actually been on one or you know attempted it looks really really high risk there's a long way to fall yeah uh, mark twain actually said get a bicycle you will not live to regret it if you live <laughs> <laughs> which which kind of encapsulates that's brilliant i love that here it is this mechanical horse you know being as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than a horse. Amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's a real sense that this technology is really useful and really good, but they haven't yet harnessed it in a way that the masses can use. So in the 1870s, when Harry John Lawson brings out a safety bicycle, and critically, John Boyd Dunlop, he brings out an air-filled rubber tyre for the first time now why is this important because all the roads that they're riding on are cobblestone yeah <laughs> so before before dunlop comes along Bit it's of a bone shaker wheels. exactly the bone shaker was the term used and it was the uh wooden wheels with a a strip of iron around it sounds comfortable <laughs> it's not much for suspension is it no <laughs> you know, the wooden wheel with a bit of iron wrap around it. It's quite amazing that the modern rider would complain about saddle soreness. Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> Too right, yeah. It would be like operating a pneumatic drill, like just ride into the shops. Oh, man, alive. Yeah, no wonder horses were still so popular. Yeah, horses are still ruling at this point, but... Dunlop's airfield tyre, he invents that around, like, in the late 1880s. With these equal-size wheels, you've now got a a chain to drive the rear wheel. Um, And now bicycles start to look very, very similar to what they do today. Now, that's an amazing achievement, really, isn't it? If you think about a technology... Like, you look at how even cars have changed yeah, in of 100, 100 years. Mm. For bicycles, not really to have changed in 150 years is a real achievement. And the innovation for the rest of society here, everything else spills off this. So, for example, in the last decade of the 19th century, a third of all patents lodged with the U.S. Patent Department were bicycle related. A third. That's mad. So over what period? Ten year period. That is crazy. So 1890 to nineteen hundred, a third of all patents lodge bicycle related. Big business. We think about then how this affects sport because previously these bicycles are just a way to get around. An alternative to a horse, maybe they give a bit more social mobility and so on. But as soon as the rubber tires come in and people can start riding them much more quickly, given the penny farthing, obviously you can ride that quickly, but given the danger associated with it. But these bicycles now are getting more and more safe and more and more accessible. In fact, they had a women's race in Bordeaux in the 1860s so there's clearly a thirst for this and also it's changing the norms of society because women can get involved in something that 
given the way that women had to dress at the time, wasn't very practical for them to be operating a mechanical device like a bicycle. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of overlooked so that women could start riding the bicycle and did, did so until obviously the car came in and after the Second World War. So it's quite amazing that women could join in in this sporting way amazing also that they didn't start making bicycles for women until the 1980s <laughs> so wow it, it took it took but, almost 120 years before they thought oh maybe we'll make a specific bicycle for the other 50 percent of the population that is mad in france this starts to really take off in terms of racing and the Paris to Roubaix race I think that started in the early 20th century the Tour de France had its first outing in 1903 so you can see how quickly after these technological advances now is the time that they really start to formalize bicycle racing and with these races are they all long distance races then or do they do sprints and Shorter distances, or is it all city-to-city stuff? A variety of all different races. So the guys who set up the the brutal Paris-to-Roubaix race, they actually had built a velodrome in Roubaix, and they were thinking, how do we get people out of Paris to come and see our velodrome? Amazing. Let's have a race. (laughs) But obviously, even today, that rides across you know terrible conditions terrible tracks cobblestones very dangerous even today even with the modern technology even with great uh, bike tires and everything like that so a huge variety but it's really experimental at this stage because people are getting you know uh, it's still a relatively new technology and one that people are only getting used to the other fact is that one of the bicycle manufacturers in the u.s were two brothers, and this is in the 1890s. They jump on the bandwagon to develop the bicycle and manufacture the bicycle, and their name is Wright. The Wright brothers, yeah. Nice. So they use bicycle parts and the bicycle technology to invent the first ever aeroplane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sort of makes sense. What were they, what were, do you know which bits? Yeah, so they basically use the bicycle frames and the wheels and that's where they were experimenting because they previously obviously you could put sails on a horse or wings but it was never going to take off yeah <laughs> whereas the bicycle you could get enough speed and and harness the wind to actually lift yourself off the ground so it, it was if it wasn't for the development of the bicycle we would never have got the airplane wow that makes sense but in a quite a scary way. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> it's the, quite, yeah. those trial runs, just going as fast as you can on a bike and trying to the point where you take off? <laughs> well, it, it's the same as well. Even the first automobile, the first car, was a tricycle <laughs> with an engine in. <laughs> so it's just crazy how everything, like this endeavour in in the bike world is just fueling everything even the fact that the cobblestones disappeared from the streets because they were putting tarmac at them so they're putting tarmac down asphalt to make it smoother for bicycles not for cars so when people argue that you know 
or get upset when there's a bike on the road. <laughs> they should think right. twice because the only reason they're riding on a smooth road is because of the bicycle. God, that's so funny, isn't so, it? I definitely did not know that. One of the other massive innovations as well was uh, by Edouard Michelin. The Michelin man? Yeah, do you know why he invented uh, Not the tyre. Um, I'm not sure. He invented the inner ah, tube. Ah, yes. Okay. So, like, he invented, like, a detachable tyre so that you can now replace or fix the inner tube yourself. Mm-hmm. And and he also invented really poncy restaurants as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> presumably. Presumably. I don't know. I don't know the history of that. But it's... It's quite amazing that um, the growth of bicycle sports, in particularly in France, the, the there's only the gaps in bicycle sports in France are only because of the world wars. That's it. There is such an uptake and such a, a desire to ride bicycles. If we go, you know, from the Second World War periods where motor cars really start to take over and towns and cities are start to be built just to accommodate the car and bicycles really fall out of fashion it's like known as the poor man's way to get around and and the sport really suffers as a result of this because you just don't have kind of people as soon as people are old enough to get a car well they don't want to be seen on a bike and even that filters down Mm -hmm. with kids it's like they they want to be riding around in kind of or being on toy cars rather than a bicycle but in the 1980s the the bicycle that really captured the imagination and this is probably really important for the boom in the 1990s and early 2000s in bike sport was a bicycle made by a company called rally who became the biggest bike manufacturer in the world at one point they were knocking out two million bikes a year and they designed a bike known as the chopper yeah i remember the choppers now the chopper strangely was designed to look like it had a motor on (laughs) (laughs) but they they also did a couple of things to change the design so they the initial design had quite a long seat but they realized it encouraged kids to ride two on the one bike (laughs) and so and so they got rid of that for say they shortened it for safety reasons but i think that would have had a massive impact to chopper because it really brought bikes back into fashion and was the kind of must-have christmas toy and the must-have birthday gift and from that then became mountain bikes and mountain bikes in the uk for example mountain bikes were responsible for like 90 percent of all bikes that were sold in the uk in the 1990s were mountain bikes despite the fact that most people just rode them around their house Mm. and estate um you know (laughs) with their japanese fighting dog and so the bicycle when you look at the velodromes that were developed for the olympics and for the commonwealth games and you also look at the teams like Team Sky uh, in the UK that have had amazing success, despite it being derided as being a sit-down sport. If we look back at all of the technological advances, and even a previous episode we did with our good friend Justin on Chris Boardman, who holds the record for the longest time cycled in an hour. Longest and distance. Longest distance cycled in... <laughs> Longest disc. Yeah. You've got an hour. How long can you cycle for? About 59 minutes? 
That's going to be yeah, good. As long Hard as to be. else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so Chris Boardman, you know, with his his amazing carbon fiber bike, still there's still technology is still being broken in this space, still de- being demanded that we get better and better uh, with the technology. But in the essence of it, it still hasn't changed. And I just think, you know, as important a sports device that the bicycle is, the amazing effect that it's had on technology, the amazing effect it's had on women, the amazing effect that it's had on poorer countries mm-hmm. as well. Like they est- estimate if, if you're a, an African who owns a bicycle, you have scope to earn 35% more than what you would yeah, if you th- didn't. through travel and not relying on infrastructure yeah it just opens up people's worlds and i think often we do uh podcasts matt and topics about very elite sports but this is a sporting device a way to get around that almost everyone can access and it's quite fantastic uh and i've been riding my bike to work for the last year or so and uh i'm still here good so it's uh good how's the roads flat (laughs) cobbled it's pretty flat actually and uh traffic free for most of the way and not a day goes by where i don't thank uh old dunlop <laughs> mainly because of riding me wellies <laughs> nice and just to finish up matt there was a lad who went to our school in in a high school and he he was really good at art and he used to do lots of sculpture nobody was into sculpture and he used to ride his bike every everywhere. He was one of these kids who just constantly, just every time you saw him in the neighborhood, he was on his bike. And he was always riding like he was in a real rush to get somewhere. He did a little presentation at a little uh, assembly. And he'd sculpted all these different pieces and busts of whatever. And uh, they, they were pretty good. And from that point, his nickname was um, Psychelangelo. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, but it's not bad. <laughs> by, by this, for you, not bad. <laughs> what you do, Matt, is you say, thanks for listening. Thanks, for that's right, sport. that's what I'll say. <laughs> thanks for listening. And thanks very much for that, Ian. That was brilliant. <laughs> really, really good. I didn't know there was... Um, Bikes had informed so much stuff from aeroplanes through to the uh, paved roads. Brilliant. I cut it short. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing stuff. Thank you very much, Ian, and thanks very much to all our listeners out there. Uh, Please do get in touch with the show um, on Instagram at The Wheel of Sport, via email, thewheelofsport at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at The Wheel of Sport. Let us know if you've got any suggestions for shows. Um, or any comments or criticisms. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for that, Ian. Thanks, Matt. I'm off to go and finish those sculptures. (laughs) Psychelangelo. (laughs) Your cycle path, more like. (laughs) Uh, 